0: Power Founder of the Ladies Waving Dog Group. Are you feeling stuck with your gun dog training? Trust me you're not alone and that's exactly why you need to be here. Every week we're bringing you the best tips and hacks to make training your gun dog easy peasy. We'll keep it straightforward, no fuss, just actionable guidance that you can put straight to use. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Found It, Fetched It. This week we're going to be talking all about the question, do I fit into the dog world? Joining me for this week's podcast is our LWDG mindset coach, Emma Liddell. How are you today, Emma? I am a little bit under
1: the weather, but I'm good and I'm really excited about this podcast because it's actually quite a personal one for me. It's something that I feel really strongly about, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: Me too, but it's probably going to have us in gears at some point. And if I tell the listeners where we start from, I'm sure the lady who sent me this won't mind me reading this small section out. Um, There is nothing that will sort of identify her, but I just want to, I want people to understand where this conversation comes from. So I asked uh, somebody how they were getting on with the dog training, and they sent me a beautiful email. And these three paragraphs sort of hit me incredibly hard. And there were bits of it I could relate to, and Emma can relate to, so we wanted to discuss it in a a wider group. So the paragraph said, I don't fit into this dog world. I don't have a family background. I don't have much money. I don't have all the gear. I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the best equipment. I don't talk posh. I don't drive a big enough car to fit a fancy home-like transit crate in the back of my boot. I don't have a garden or grounds to practice in, I don't even have anyone local to me who is in this world. We practice in my trackies and a hoodie and my makeshift reward bag is tearing at the seams. I bought a cheap makeshift dummy from Amazon and I have to practice in a local park with God knows how many distractions to disrupt our training. I have a placemat my dad made out of old wood with old carpet on the top instead of that green stuff that's usually used. He randomly found instructions on how to make one on the LWDG website. My dog and I are those kids in school who always had their shirts intact. Ties and done, and we roll around the playground like loose cannons. We may not look the part, but when we get into the classroom, we do switch on. With a wild card, people should bet on. We may not look like we should be any good, but we do our homework, and it's paying off. Now, the rest of the email is just as beautiful, but when I read it, it absolutely broke my heart because to think that we have amazing ladies who work incredibly hard who feel that they don't fit into the gun dog world I felt like there was a gap in in my delivery my content to help other people realize you do fit how do you feel I'm like after I've read it to you for like the second time it's really emotional it's a really emotional thing
1: because we are and I always refer to us as a tribe we're a tribe of women that are really inclusive and we're really passionate about kind of gun dogs, training dogs in general, and just the whole lifestyle uh, of what what that is, and and the amount of effort that it takes. And when I use the word lifestyle, I understand for a lot of people that brings up a connotation, doesn't it? It brings up a connotation of fancy dummies and tweed and and kind of uh, slow gin and shoot days and all those other things. And although that that could, ten- could potentially be part of it for for some of our group. The idea that there are people that don't feel like they belong because they don't have access to that world or don't want to have access to that world. Maybe it's something that, that that doesn't appeal to them. They just want to have a really nice, well-trained dog and they want to go and have fun with them. It makes me sad. It makes me sad that if there is one person who's taken the time to write a beautiful and very emotional email to you, there must be others. And I think that's what makes this this podcast so important to me.
0: I absolutely agree with you. and like. It's almost fitted perfectly with the other feedback that I sort of get which is, I don't take my dogs on shoots, so do I belong? Can I, you know, my dog only ever trains, so do I belong? And it's the same thing, isn't it? So do you think that there is a difficulty with, like, the perception of it and the reality? So do you think people, like, have problems understanding the class and background perception? Yeah, no, you are. I think.
1: I think part of it, is it's about understanding, and I always call it, call it the Instagram reality part of it. So, you know, on Instagram, we might, you know, pe- you see people there in like full matching tweed, breeks, shotgun over their arm and their little Springer sitting beautifully to heel um, uh, or with like a pheasant in its mouth or whatever else. And we think that that's the gun dog community. But the reality of training gun dogs is nowhere near as glamorous as that, like for example, I was out training my dogs on Sunday. Um, it was raining. I had no makeup on. My hair was a mess. I was ill. I wasn't wearing any form of fashionable clothing in any way, shape, or form. If someone had seen me, I think they'd probably think that I'm part feral. Um, and that is the reality of gun dog training. Like every day, that that's what gun dog training is. You know, it isn't glamorous. It's actually blooming hard work. And I think that's probably why a lot of us like it. And yes, it does mean that potentially for some of us, if that's what we want to do, we can go on to a sheet day and, and part of that might be dressing up or whatever else. But that's like 1% of the work we put into our gun dogs. That's not anywhere near. And for some of us, those sheet days don't come because either we don't want them, um, it's not something we have access to. But that doesn't mean we're any less of a gun dog trainer in any way, shape, or form.
0: I've been doing like some more reels uh, on uh, Instagram because I'm not a person who likes to have my face in front of the camera, but I, I'm making an effort to be more, I don't know, not approachable, but let people know who I am. And I'm literally having to think every morning, like when I'm getting dressed to dogs, to to oh crap, you can't look like you've been pulled through a head backwards. And I'm literally struggling and I fully agree with you. Like normally I would like literally, check on a pair of leggings, check on a t-shirt, check on a jumper, you know, like, pull my hair into a scruffy like, little ponytail, check a hat on, and away we go. And, and like, literally, that is it. And I, I'm very aware now, I think, oh, if I'm going to make a reel, I, might, I should look like I have the gear and have an idea. So I do understand how social media probably makes people think you have to be a certain person to fit in.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think I think probably my story is one that is probably going to be similar to some people's and different to others. When I joined in field sports um a number of years ago, um I didn't I didn't I don't come from a shooting background, I don't come from a farming background, I don't come from a gun dog background. Um my family have never owned dogs at all. Um I actually came into field sports through Falconry, which again, not a family background in any way, shape or form. I just went to a falconry day where you got to be a tree for a bird and thought that sounds awesome I want to do more of that and and after volunteering at a falconry centre I ended up with my first bird of prey um and kind of long story short that's how I ended up getting my first dog fudge um the aim was to work him with his bird of prey that didn't happen because my bird of prey absolutely hated him um and so he kind of became a pet um and that's how I ended up with my first dog so I kind of fell into. The world of that. And then when I when I had to rehome my hawk, um, when I moved house, I was like, oh, I miss field sports. What do I want to do? And that's kind of where shooting and kind of gun dogs came in. Um, and and we were just talking about this before we recorded this podcast. Actually, I contacted the LWDG before I got my first gun dog scout. Um, and Joe, you don't remember this, but you kind of do now, probably I've mentioned it, is I was like, should I join before I get my first gun dog? And I was so nervous. About what that looked like, because I felt like a massive fraud. I didn't. I didn't even own a gun dog, and I was asking to join this community of women with gun dogs that knew what they were doing. And you wrote me a really lovely email back, um, saying like, "Absolutely, you can. You'd be welcome. It might be really useful. You know, you're welcome as part of the community, even without a gun dog." Um, some of the masterclasses will be more relevant when you get your gun dog, so it's up to you. And and so I then didn't join until I got I got a Scout, my first dog but to give you an idea of my background like i said i don't come from a field sports background i don't come from a farming background the first time i got my dog and i had my hawk i had a, a 3 door fiesta where i had to wedge my dog on the back seat and i had to wedge the the box of the hawk in the boot like it it was not it wasn't the reality it was the reality of of kind of doing that it wasn't this kind of instagram with with this kind of tweed and shotguns and all those other things so i think it's really important to pass that message across that yes some people do have access to those things and that's great and that's wonderful and we should celebrate that that part of their lifestyle as well but that, that isn't everybody's experience we have a whole spectrum of people some people like we said they've got a dog in a flat they don't they don't have the ability to have this vast field in their garden and a remote dummy launch. if the majority of us don't have that you know I've got a three bedroom terrace with a small garden that you know I can't, I don't have fields in my back garden and all those other things. So it's about I think I think we do need to come forward and be much more realistic because that makes us accessible to other people. Um, the reality is more important than kind of the facade sometimes we show people about about what it's like being part of a field sports community.
0: It's made me like think as we're talking. You know, I I sort of think oh crap I better like look decent. Part of me is now thinking from this conversation alone, actually you should look like what you look like because like there are days I train in my jeans if it's dry I'm like I'm happy in my jeans I like my jeans you know and a lot of the stuff that I got at the beginning like I didn't even know if I was going to stick around this sport like it was you know dad sort of thrust me in the day he thrust me in beaten, I swear to god let me I think I had and you would laugh I, I would love to be able to find photos I think I had a pair of leggings on a pair of Dunlop Wellies because my husband is an absolute believer in the strength and durability of Dunlop Wellies because he's an outdoor instructor. Um, I had a pair of my dad's, I'm sure I did, a pair of my dad's royal male waterproof trousers that I, he had cut to the right length for me. Like, I probably looked really crazy. I probably had a barb jacket on. I think I did because I, from the horses, it was probably hanging somewhere on the farm and I'd grabbed it and used that. Um. I didn't have a bag. I, it was just me and the dog. Thank God the dog knew where I was doing. And I was probably using Dad's blinking whistle because I didn't have one of my own. Like, I literally was literally four land of force, but thrown into it. And when I was on the Beater's wagon, I didn't feel out of place. And I know that sounds odd, but they weren't. I wasn't surrounded by people like wearing incredibly like, you know, they weren't dressed in on the Peter's wagon, especially, as you see them in the shooting times, all dressed like that, these were people like me who knew they were going to get wet, they knew they were going to get dirty, so we just on the nearest thing that they could, and some of them, yes, don't get me wrong, and I've now got some of the brands, because I know that they'll do a better job of keeping me warm and keeping me clean, that's why I've got them now, but right back then, you know, you can turn up to the sport wearing pretty much anything, and, and you won't be pushed out for that
1: yeah and I think that's what's really lovely about it like talking about field sports as a whole the first time I went for a shooting lesson I turned up in my little red fiesta parked outside of Range Rovers Jags sports cars like you name it and what was so lovely about that is no one batted an eyelid no one batted because I was there like them I just wanted to learn Um, you know it can be such a daunting thing and for any women out there that are daunted about a that first journey into field sports I know of LWDG girls that have turned up to their first live event and they've brought a friend with them because they've been too anxious about going on their own um there's another LWDG lady I know who's a good friend of mine Who we were out for a walk and she was cold, and I offered her my gilet. And she was like, I don't know if I can put that on because I don't have a gun dog. And I was like, Welcome to the team. Like, we're a tribe. We're here to support you. Put it on. And it's lovely to see her confidence grow. And like, genuinely, she was like, I can't touch tweed because I don't have a gun dog or a gun. And I was like, That's twaddle. Put it on. Do you like it? Do you want to wear it? Do you like how you feel in it? Then be proud of it. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a pedigree and credentials you don't have to be like a KC registered field sports person like it doesn't matter anyone can get into it and I know I'm a massive massive advocate of that especially women in field sports. um the amount of women that I've met I've taken out on the clays or I've been like come help me work my dog because it breaks down that barrier and I think for those of us who do have the confidence and there's some of us in this group that absolutely do we kind of owe it to other people to be ambassadors for our sport and for what we think is really important. So even if you reach out to one other member and say, come and help me with my dog or let's group up. There's a couple of us that train our dogs together and commiserate with our dogs together. If there's ever a woman that wants to come out and go clay sheeting, I will absolutely take you there. Because I wish I'd had that when I got into field sports. And I was very lucky that I had some of the self-confidence to do that and to stand up to people, and I'm sure there's some experiences that I'll go into in a bit, which were really hard where I had to stand up for myself, but if I can pave the way to make it easier for other women to stand there in their tracksuit bottoms with that one dummy that they've got, great, fantastic. Like, one of the things that I say to people is, like, I bought my first pair of breeks this year for sheeting because I felt like, oh, God, and that's because I've been invited onto a syndicate day and I didn't have a pair, and I got them for £25 off vintage because I don't want to spend 150 pounds on some tea. So there are affordable ways of getting into it. The amount of stuff I hand over to other, other women, like even if it's harnesses, dummies, whatever else, we should be ambassadors to each other to help each other find that path into field sports, whatever that looks like for you. For some people that will be on the shooting line, some people that will be on the beating line, for some people it will be in the park with a dummy and that's all they want to do and that's great and that should be respected as well. It's wherever you want that journey to go.
0: Can't be like um naive, there are stereotypes and they do fit in certain places. Like, for example, like you said, you're going to a set day, you are going to need to look and behave a certain way. And and that's the world over. If you go into an office, you are meant to look a certain way. So it is there, so we can't pretend it's not there, but what we can say is, okay, you can work towards that if that's something that you want and that's great but it doesn't matter if you're over here looking like this on other days yeah absolutely like so I I like that community
1: I love a bit of tweed like I genuinely love a bit of tweed I like I like a bargain of tweed even more uh, because it's very expensive but that doesn't mean I wear it all day in, day out. And most of, and you'll speak to a lot of the LWDG, most of the stuff we've got is secondhand. We've passed it on to each other. We've got it off the Facebook uh, marketplace. We've got it from other places because there's some amazing stuff you can get for, for kind of really cheap if that's what you want to do. For some people, that that's just not how they feel comfortable. They want to be comfortable in a tracksuit bottom. They want to be comfortable in their, I don't know, leggings from Matalan and a T-shirt. And that's cool too. You don't have to have a set level of credentials or background to be welcome in our sport. And I think the more absolutely for me, I like the tradition. So I like that side of it. But that's not for everybody. And that's cool, too. Like, I, I'm very open that, again, and this is a whole other debate. and We could probably do a whole other podcast about it. So I, I work my dogs and I sheep, and I go out beating and I'm vegetarian. Um, and that's a hugely conflicted thing for some people. Some people are listening to this going, well, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know what? I've been welcomed into the community for that. Like, I'll have really big debates about it. It just makes me different. It doesn't mean that I'm not valid in going out and doing what I do. Um, you know, and if you want to have a debate about that, we can do a whole other thing about, about what that looks like. But it's about being authentic to who you are and doing what you feel comfortable with as long as you're not holding yourself back going, I wish I could do that, but I feel like there's a block there because I would honestly say, reach out to me, reach out to any of the other ladies and let's help you overcome that block because if there's things that you want to achieve in the world of field sports, that block doesn't need to be there.
0: I think we definitely need to each look at uh, how we show people that we are approachable and how we show people that our sport is inclusive because... But like when I read that, honestly, like, I would have said all day long that we we put forward a very inclusive um, appearance because we are, but it made me think, how do we do more, you know? So where do you think individuals can, like, take steps to, to break down the, the barriers and to help people feel more happy in our environment, but also... The other way, what, what steps can people who don't feel happy in the environment yet take to to get get to us, you know, to for us to meet in the middle somewhere? I
1: think part of it is the people that are confident need to make sure the door is open and understand that for some people, although the door is open, it's harder for them to come to it. And for the people that are maybe struggling or feeling like they don't fit in, my question is always why can't it be you? because I was that person when I first came into field sports, I felt like a massive fraud with my little red fiesta and my non working, but working kind of breed gun dog that didn't want to work with my hawk. And there are some really pivotal points within the last X amount of years before I've got to where I am now, where I questioned myself, like the first time I bought a gun dog training vest, a it was a lot of money, they're not cheap. And I was like, Oh, but that's what the professionals wear, and I'm not a professional. And it took a lot for me to overcome that and go, no, it's not. It's just because it's useful. Like I've got a lot of dummies that I need to store somewhere and carrying them around does not work for my dog. So for me, that was a really big block. Some of the gun dog related clothing, uh, and kind of going, I deserve to wear it, which is really sad saying it out loud. I felt like I didn't deserve to wear that. And I'm sure this will be resonating with some of some of the women that are listening. Um when someone referred to me as a dog handler, I, you know, for me, I was like, well, that's what relates to police officers with, gun- with dogs, that's, that's that's a dog handler, or people that are running their dogs in field trials. I was just, I was just a person who had a gun dog and was trying to do something with it. Um, so actually, the first time I described myself as a dog handler was a really pivotal shift in my identity about how I saw myself having the confidence to describe myself in that way. Um... The other part, and again, it's quite a laugh and a joke, like I, I'm i lucky enough that I have a car which has quite a big boot, and I'd been carting these two big dogs around on my back seat for ages, and I spent ages before I got a crate for the back of my car, because again, it seemed too professional, and I was like, I'm going to get these dogs out, and they're going to be lumbering around like idiots, and people are going to be like, well, why has she got this fancy crate in the back of her car, like all the gear and no idea kind of joke that we make. And to go, actually, it doesn't matter. It's practical for me. Like, A, I'm privileged enough to be able to afford it because, again, they're not cheap. But it's practical. It, it's safer for my dogs. It works better for me. I don't have to clear out the mud at the back of my car. So it was It was almost these barriers where I felt like I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve the gun dog training vest. I didn't deserve the crate in the back of the car. I didn't deserve the label of dog handler. Um, and this will probably be resonating with some of you. Some of you might be quite emotional hearing it because it's that idea of, why am I not good enough? Because the fact is, I do train my dogs in whatever way I can. Uh, the fact is, I am in a privileged enough position to be able to buy those things, either, either new or second hand. So why don't I deserve them? If it's going to make my life easier with my dogs, and it's going to make me happy, and it's going to make me enjoy things, it's, those are those are barriers that we should all be getting past. And if not, again, reach out to me, and I'll find a way of getting you past that barrier, because we all deserve to have those things if that's something... That we are able to afford or bring into our life
0: like you said something and i think this is probably where some of the like perceptions come some of the stuff we buy we buy for practicality i know a lot of the stuff i have now i have for practicality but they also make us look like the stereotype so sometimes even if we were doing our very best not to look um in a way that people would perceive us as being harsh or from that background or that class group. We end up looking like that through no fault of our own because that's the stuff that we have. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to recognise that over time, as we collect whatever we've got secondhand or whatever else, over X amount of years, it can look intimidating for someone who's just come into come into gun dog training for the first time you know if I look at the collection of stuff that I've got over the years um I don't know ridge lines and sticks and gaiters and all that kind of stuff because I've needed it for beating And some of it's been given to me some of it I've bought you know whatever else if I was me if I go back to me on my first ever day going into kind of field sports I would have probably looked at myself and been terrified and been like oh god whereas actually what we can do is support other people and be like, you know what, I'll lend you these, I'll lend you that, don't worry, we'll get you. you know, help other people feel included, because for what, what we see is completely normal, because it's just really good and really waterproof, or whatever else that we pick up and grab before we go out, for someone else coming to their first ever event, their first ever gundaw class, their first ever, what, and they're, and they're seeing other handlers that are there, like, head to toe in, in kind of khaki green, and they've got sticks, and all sorts that can be really intimidating, but but actually we're not. We're really really not. We I, I still remember that first day looking at people with all their really fancy kit, thinking, "Oh my god, I don't belong here." Um, and it shouldn't be about what we wear. It shouldn't be about what kit we've got. It shouldn't be about what car we drive. It shouldn't be about how many dummies we've got. It should be about the relationship we have with our dogs and the fact that we want to deepen that and we want to fulfil our dog's purpose. And everything else is just a byproduct of that.
0: Some of this, though, um, like my husband's now to instructor. So in the climbing world, they have their own set of kit, right? So just like we've got our, our greens and whatever, they've got their kit. And they can identify one another by the level of the kit. So sometimes you can have all the no idea. Don't get me wrong. Somebody just spent like, I don't know, a couple of grand on all the kit and doesn't know one end of a climbing rope from the other. But on the whole, well, they can tell and... It actually allows some people to belong because when when they can see each other, they can say, "Oh, you know, like, oh yeah, blah blah." And and I, I see my husband if he sees people wearing certain things, that's more friendly to them. But he, like smiles and stuff, it's like this this nod, almost like the Land Rover nod. You where you're in Land Rover, I'm in a Land Rover. We understand each other's Land Rover problems. It's a, it's a nod, right? So do you think though, like as much as we should try to be inclusive, and we definitely definitely should. People who think they don't fit in those. How do we have them see that they do fit in those and they can be part of it? Because like some people can exclude themselves from the party when they were always invited to the party to begin with.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think it is massively a confident thing. Like I go back to my friend and she's probably going to listen to this podcast and text me afterwards and be like, what are you doing? Is this idea that they want to do that they want to i don't know have the fancy smock they want to have the beating sick they want to go out beating for the first time they want to buy their first ever tweed something whatever it might be but they feel like they don't have the credentials to have it and the bit that i would say is there are no credentials there are no credentials it's if if you wear it and feel like your most authentic self with it who cares what anyone else thinks genuinely who cares like i know that the Field Sports community has given me probably the biggest sense of my identity compared to anything else I've done in my life. It, it bigger than my career, bigger than everything else. When I am wearing those clothes, doing those things, doesn't matter how old the clothes are, it doesn't matter if they're falling apart or the second hand or whatever else, when I'm working my dog, that's when I feel my most authentic self. And I would say if that's if that's where you feel in your park, in your tracksuit bottoms with your gun dog, and you go, oh, maybe I'm not able to buy that cap because I don't know, it, it's got a brand on it, which is like a field sports brand. Or actually, I would really like to buy, I don't know, a, a gilet, but I don't feel like I, I, I fit in or I want to buy my first bit of LWDG branded stuff, but I'm worried that I, I don't fit into that. Just put it on and just wear it. And if it makes you feel more like you, congratulations, that's fantastic. You're finding a closer step to being your most authentic self. I think the difficulty is, is for a lot of us, especially as women, culturally, we kind of get told not to have a loud voice, not to make a fuss about things, not to complain. And actually, that's a shame because it means that some of us don't don't do the things we really want to do because then we feel like we don't belong with that. And I, I don't come from a tweed wearing Shotgun toting field sports background, and yet I'm there like in at the game fair wearing my secondhand tweed blazer and and loving it because I feel like myself when I do that, like I feel happy, I feel like that suits me, and that's that's when I and if it doesn't, that's cool too, like it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean you can't be part of our group. Um, I think for women, it's harder, and a lot of us potentially have had negative experiences in the field sports community because it is more male dominated and that sometimes can be a big setback for us
0: i look at it like you know there are brands there you know in in the uk just any brand there are some brands that that work on their exclusivity and then mm. i think i look at, at us with our lwdg stuff and i think there isn't a woman alive and we've even had men we're not LWDG stuff. And it literally yes. makes me smile. And like, you see them in the game fair, all these guys do like print on the t-shirts. And I was incredibly proud of that moment because I was thinking, it is a brand that is for every single person. You do not have to be a specific way, a specific level, a specific capability, a specific class to wear that brand. That brand identifies and it it stands for all of us. Go out of our way consistently to help other people get on with their gun dogs. Absolutely,
1: and I think I think when you really look at the field sports community, like I went out on my first syndicate shoot day a couple of weeks ago, I was absolutely terrified with my secondhand pair of breeks that I bought because I thought, oh God, I probably should be wearing some. Um, and when I spoke to the other guns, and again, it, it was a very small shoot day; it wasn't anything big and posh or any any way shape or form. One was a carer, one was an electrician. You know, they all came from normal backgrounds. And yes, we do have those big shoot days where we've got the guns that have loads of money and arrive in a helicopter and whatever else. But field sports is for everybody. And that's kind of what I like about the game fair is when you go there, you see everybody. Um, And yes, there are those that kind of want to wear their fancy brands and and put their pictures on Instagram. And there's other people that just want to be there with their dogs and they just want to connect with people and they want to talk about stuff. And they just like talking about that world. And I think what makes the LWGG so good is, you know, like the lady that wrote that really heartfelt email to you, she doesn't have access to other people like that in her local community. Now, she might do. She just doesn't know it yet. I didn't know until I actually reached out. And there might be other people that she can connect with. But what makes it great is that we have such a strong online presence as well. So even if you can't necessarily train with someone else with that background and mentality and have that encouragement you can still connect with us virtually because we are all over the UK. We are all over the world. We are all encouraging each other. You know, even when I went to some of the DJs, um this year, we had people travelling from all over the UK. Now, I understand financially not everyone's able to do that potentially, but if you can't do it in person, you can still do it virtually with us and we will support you. We'll support you virtually if we have to. That's what we're there for. And I think that's what makes it so great is that we will make you feel part of our community you know we'll open the door for you all of the time no matter what background no matter what um your upbringing has been like no matter your size no matter any of that we we don't care do you love your dog do you want to work your dog we're here for you
0: and we have no uh breed uh snottiness either right. at the end of the day it doesn't matter what your dog is what it's crossed with what it was meant to do what you do do with it what you do with it outside of your dog training absolutely everyone is welcome and as we sort of sort of wrap this up could mean you could probably talk about this like <laughs> literally forever how do you envision that we can in the future make it clear that everyone's welcome what else can we all do whether it's in the lwdg on the on the groups on our individual platforms how can we do that
1: i think it's about making it real i think it's about making it real and um certainly i try and do that like i don't have a big instagram following in any way shape or form but whenever i post videos i try and post videos of my dog messing up i try and post videos of myself soggy in the rain i post stories about myself ill training my dog because that's authentic and I think if we yes it's all well and good and it's lovely looking at all the pretty clothing and all that other stuff but field sports is authentic there is nothing glamorous about trudging around in a field with boots covered in mud um yelling at your dog hopefully not yelling at your dog but sometimes let's be honest yelling at your dog it's it's a wonderful wonderful community of people And I think the more real we make it for people and the more accessible we make it accessible, we make it for people, whether it's like, if you've got someone that wants to try beating and you've got a shoot, take them out beating with you if you can. Um, If you want someone who maybe wants to try, I don't know, handling a shotgun and you've got access to that, take them out on the place, like let them have a couple of shots. If you want them to just come and stand and see what picking up looks like, do it. Like, I think for those of us who who are privileged enough to have those accesses to those kind of things in the world we should be ambassadors for that we should be ambassadors to open the door because actually those are going to be the next generation of women that are coming through you know it's going to be our daughters that come through it's going to be our nieces it's going to be all of those other people they're the next generation of field sports enthusiasts and the more we can make it accessible and make it normal for them the more people are going to come through that door without being worried that they're going to be um, stigmatised or they're not wearing the right clothing or or whatever else, which is is a barrier that doesn't need to be there.
0: Well, thank you very much for your participation in what I think is another amazing podcast. Thank you to the lady who sent the email. I hope you don't mind me reading it out, but we wanted to make it... Fear to you that what you say is incredibly important to us, and we wanted to make sure that you and other ladies who may feel like you know that you are more than welcome and you more than belong. Um, the reality is that diversity enriches, and the more different backgrounds we have, the more different ideas we have, the more we can all improve. And the more we break down these barriers, the more we can help others access. And there is an incredible power of community within our group. You are I don't know. I think once you're in, you can see that we've got a big blanket. We're waiting to cut you up, uh, cut you up well through you up, and then uh, um and yeah, like we've had the discussion, lead by example. Guys, if you if you've got stuff you don't need, like give it away or or sell secondhand for a, a small amount and and encourage others, tell people that it's there and that they can go and get there. And remember that your passion is your passport. You love gun dogs, so it doesn't matter where you want to go with that, anywhere else in the world with the gun dogs, you are going to be welcome. Just like I was talking about Matt and his climate, your gun dog is your, your sort of, your ticket to open anywhere basically. And finally, let's keep the conversations going you know, I think maybe this is a conversation we've not had because so I thought we've not needed to have it when the reality is maybe we need to have the conversation regularly just so those sitting on the outside can see they are welcome to step inside our world. So let's keep Move we'll forward together. Um, continue to build an incredibly diverse community, and we shall see you all next week. That's it for today's episode. A massive thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to the LWDG and sign up for our membership. Get access to expert-led training, a wonderfully supportive community, and the resources you need to become a confident and skilled gun dog trainer. Let's take this journey together, because no woman should have to train her gun dog alone.